Nicholas Herman, known worldwide as Brother Lawrence, truly lived his life Coram Deo, a Latin phrase that means in the presence of God or before the face of God. To live your life Coram Deo means to embrace every moment as holy, knowing that you are in the presence of God and before His watchful face. Whatever you are doing and wherever you are doing it, act under the gaze of an omnipresent God. Living your life Coram Deo will lead to divine appointments, like the one Philip experienced in Acts chapter 8. A divine appointment is a meeting with another person that is supernaturally and unmistakably scheduled by God. Are you living your life Coram Deo? I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian, thanks for tuning in. Today, Ron takes us to the story of Philip and to an encounter he had with a man who was looking for answers about God and his word. It's a great reminder for all of us to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and to be willing to go wherever God leads us. Online, you'll find us at somethinggoodradio.org, where you can listen to the broadcast on your schedule. You can subscribe to the podcast at Spotify, at Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get yours. From Acts chapter 8 and his teaching series, A.D., Acts of the Apostles, here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, Divine Appointments. Are you grieving the Spirit? Are you resisting Him? Are you quenching Him? Or are you living your life Coram Deo? in the presence of God, under the watchful gaze of an omnipresent God who at any time, anywhere can say, I need somebody over there. Now, who's available? Who's available? Are you sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit? Are you living your life yielded to Him and available even to go to Gaza of all places to talk to one person about Jesus? Uh, The poet once described this struggle this way, disappointment, oh no, his appointment. Change one letter, then I see that the thwarting of my purpose is God's better choice for me. And that's a wonderful way to live. Sensitivity, availability. Now we head on down to Gaza, and the next word that comes to my mind is initiation, okay? Philip has traveled that route from Samaria down through Jerusalem and on this desert road to Gaza. And and he he sees an Ethiopian man. Uh, He's described in the text here as an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who is in charge of all of her treasure, Uh, probably the treasurer for the queen of Ethiopia, a very high-ranking man in the Ethiopian government. And uh, he was traveling in a chariot, which meant he was probably very wealthy, or he had such a high-ranking position that he got a great company car, because not too many people traveled this way. And, And Philip overheard him reading from the prophet Isaiah. It says in verse 30, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? 
And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And the Ethiopian invited Philip to come up and sit with him. It seems like a simple exchange here. But because Philip was sensitive to the leading of the Spirit, because he was available, now he finds himself down in Gaza, and he has to initiate a conversation with the man. I remember um, years ago, Dr. Bill Bright wrote a book called Witnessing Without Fear, and he landed upon something because sometimes one of the greatest fears for us as followers of Jesus is to initiate a conversation with somebody about Jesus. We fear that uh, maybe the conversation will go in a direction that, that we, you know, we're not trained or able to handle, or, or maybe they'll, they'll get mad at us and reject us. But friends, back it up here. When you're living quorum Deo, when you're sensitive, when you're available, and, and when you respond to the Lord, the Lord's already been preparing the heart. The Lord's already doing something over here. He sees what you and I don't see. He just needs an available person to go. And you can, you can initiate a conversation about spiritual things and about Jesus without fear. Why? Because the Lord's already gone ahead of you. He had already gone ahead of Philip. Here's this Ethiopian. He's got his Bible open. He must have bought a scroll somewhere in, in Jerusalem, another indication that he was probably a wealthy man. He had a copy of the Scriptures, a scroll, and he was reading from, from Isaiah. And here's how Philip initiated the conversation. He asked him a question. Do you understand what you are reading? <laughs> Friends, never underestimate the power of a question. I was thinking about that this week, and I was reminded of all the questions that Jesus asked people to initiate a conversation with them about uh, spiritual things. Uh, there are uh, over a hundred, maybe hundreds of questions that Jesus asked, like, what does this gener or why does this generation seek a sign? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? But who do you say that I am? For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? And which of you, being anxious, can add one cubit to his span of life? Where is your faith? What do you seek? Do you love me? Do you know what I have done to you? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I tell you? Jesus asked all kinds of questions, didn't he? It's a fascinating study in the gospel accounts, all the questions that Jesus asked people as a way of initiating a spiritual conversation with them. And that's all you have to do. That's all we have to do is start the conversation. Sometimes we're afraid to start the conversations and initiate it because we're afraid they'll ask us a question that we can't answer. You know what my favorite thing to do, is, is, favorite thing to say is um, if I don't know the answer, I just say, that's a great question, and I don't know the answer. It's not on the tip of my tongues, but I, I have some places I can go to do a little research for you. How about if we meet again and, and uh, we, we talk about the answer to that question? There's not a question that anybody has asked or is asking today about the Christian faith that hasn't been asked over the last 2,000 years, all right? There aren't any new questions. And somebody has probably asked, answered that question or a form of it. Okay, you go back and do a little bit of research, and you make a second appointment with the person, and you continue the conversation. Don't feel like you have to have, a, you know, three seminary degrees to begin the conversation. Just ask the question. Find a question to ask. You're sitting down next to somebody on an airplane, and they're reading a book that you know is written by maybe a pastor or an author. Hey, what, what, what book are you reading? Tell me about it. And you're into the conversation. 
you can find all kinds of ways. When you're sensitive, when you're available, you can find all kinds of ways to initiate the conversation. The fourth word I wrote down is explanation, okay? Uh, the story goes on to say um, that uh, uh, in verse 32, now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this Scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Well, where was this Scripture located? Well, we know it was in Isaiah, and specifically it was Isaiah 53, the great messianic prophecy. And the Ethiopian was asking the question of the ages that, you know, Jews and Christians have been discussing for 2,000 years. Who was the prophet talking about in Isaiah 53? Somebody in his time, maybe himself, or was this uh, a prophecy concerning the coming of Messiah, and did Jesus Christ fulfill this prophecy? That's a, that's a pretty deep theological uh, question to get around, grant you that, but here's what I want you to notice. Philip kept the conversation about Jesus, and he started with this passage. Do you know you can start a conversation about Jesus anywhere in Scripture and make a beeline to the cross? You can do that because this entire book we call the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is about Jesus Christ. I can even take you to Genesis chapter 3 and give you a gospel presentation because the first gospel is found there, or at least allusions to it. And I know that may involve a little bit of study. My point is simply this, keep the conversation about Jesus. And wherever they are in the, in the text of Scripture, make it about Jesus and get to the cross as quickly as you can. They may want to take you off in different tangents and you don't want to be rude about that or, 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 or dismissive about that, but always bring the conversation and the explanation back to Jesus. That's the starting point from any place in Scripture. So we go from uh, a sensitivity and availability to initiating the conversation, having a time of explanation, and there may be some time where you go and do some study and you come back with an explanation. That's fine, right? It continues the conversation. You made a second appointment. And then finally, there's, there's implementation. Let's uh, pick it up in verse 36. And as they were going along the road... They came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Um, here this Ethiopian heard about Jesus, and the assumption here is that uh, he expressed faith in Christ, he knew enough that baptism was a first step, and he says, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip takes him down into the water and baptizes him uh, right there on the spot. Now, if you're reading the text carefully, and depending on your translation, verse 37 isn't there. Some translations insert 
verse 37, which says, And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Uh, The translation that I'm working from, the English Standard Version, doesn't have verse 37. Why? Because uh, scholars have indicated that the earliest of manuscripts don't have verse 37, probably inserted by uh, a scribe later um, to, to help explain why we jump from, you know, the conversation to baptism, okay? And usually in your Bible, that verse is in brackets, and there's a little notation there to let you know that through what we call the science of textual criticism, that is studying uh, the manuscripts that we have as far back as we can go, we want to be honest and upfront about this, verse 37 typically isn't there, but the insertion there doesn't change the story, it doesn't change any theology. Uh, It was inserted to, to help with the flow of the conversation here. Still ahead, the second half of today's Something Good radio message with Dr. Ron Jones. Something new is happening at Something Good. At somethinggoodradio.org, we just released a brand new streaming platform for Something Good Radio and Something Good Television. There you'll also find Something Good Travel, Something Good Courses, and the new Something Good Digital Library, where you can search for biblical answers to your questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. Watch, listen, and download for free, and when it's convenient for you. That and a lot more is available now at somethinggoodradio.org. And remember, Something Good exists only through the prayer and financial support of listeners just like you. So when you send a special gift today, we'll say thank you with a gift of our own. The complete audio download of the series you're hearing now, A.D. Acts of the Apostles. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. And now here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Divine Appointment. That said, Philip takes him into the water and he baptizes him. I call it an implementation step because this Ethiopian has believed and is now taking what I call one of the first steps of a disciple. Whenever you see people baptized in the New Testament, they're baptized immediately after they believe. Why? Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, go and make disciples of all nations, comma, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism doesn't save us. But baptism is the public profession of your faith. It's the first step that you take as a believer in Jesus Christ to say, I believe in Jesus Christ. I have decided to follow him. There's no turning back. There's no turning back. And I'm going public with my faith. I always like to tell baptism candidates, every Christian needs to preach at least one sermon. And it's not a verbal sermon. It's a a pictorial sermon. It's your public profession of faith. And we talk about the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, buried with Christ unto death, rise again to newness of life. Shortest sermon you'll ever hear, but the most gospel-centered one. And it needs to happen as soon as you believe. Now, some of you maybe have never been baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ. Okay, 
What are you waiting for? We have a baptism service a little bit later this, this month at the beach, and uh, we're going to be baptizing people at the beach, people who have professed faith in Jesus Christ, who are going public with their faith, unashamedly saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. And maybe you grew up in a tradition where baptism was uh, practiced in a different way. Maybe you were uh, sprinkled as an infant or something like that. Did you know that baptism by immersion was the practice of the church for the first 1,200 years of church history? And then we started debating about what baptism meant and all of that. Even the translation of the word baptize comes from the word baptizo in the Greek. There was so much debate over how we did baptism and what it meant. They didn't translate the word. They transliterated the word, okay? Because the word baptizo literally means to dip, to sink, or to submerge, okay? So that's why we practice believer's baptism by immersion. Again, a gospel presentation, a sermon, buried with Christ unto death, rise again to new life. You're identifying publicly with the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And I say this is a step of implementation that Philip was involved in. He didn't stick around to uh, fully disciple the Ethiopian. We assume that God had other plans and other people to be involved in the disciple-making process there, but Philip got the process started. He implemented. Now he's got a believer in Jesus Christ. What are the first steps? Oh, the first of the first steps is baptism and going public with your faith, and uh, the Ethiopian did that. It says in verse 39, and when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through the, as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. And Philip makes this uh, kind of large sweeping movement uh, through Jerusalem down to Gaza and then up the Mediterranean coast and he lands in Caesarea. Elsewhere in the book of Acts, it looks like Philip stayed there for most of his life in Caesarea, which is not a bad place to hang out. It was right on the Mediterranean coast there. There's some nice digs, a lot better than the desert place in Gaza. So God took care of, uh, uh, of Philip here, a man who is sensitive and available to take the divine appointment. And then the Lord moved him up the coast, and he preached his way all the way to Caesarea. Just like John and uh, Peter uh, came from Jerusalem to Samaria and then preached their, their way all the way back through the Samaritan villages all the way back to Jerusalem. It's Coram Deo. It's living your life in the presence of God before the face of God, not just for an hour every week, but every moment of every day, whatever you're doing, wherever you're doing it, saying, Lord, what do you have for me today? Keeping in step and in stride with the Spirit of God who may nudge you with one of those inner promptings of the Spirit that says, go talk to this person or that person. What an adventure life becomes. What an exciting adventure uh, the Christian life is because you never know whom God is going to send you to today. You never know what divine appointment He's made for you when you're sensitive and available and, and, and willing to initiate a conversation. Before I finish, you know, some of you may be here today and 
Maybe you identify more with this Ethiopian. Uh, you've come to a place of worship like he did to Jerusalem, and he walked away with some questions. No doubt he had, he had heard all the buzz about the early church in Jerusalem, maybe had some initial conversations, bought himself a Bible, started reading it, but just didn't understand some things. And you're like that Ethiopian. You, you need somebody to sit down with you and maybe clarify some things about Jesus and about Christianity and the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a good time and a good place to do that. And in just a few moments, we're going we're gonna to give you an opportunity to do that, to have a conversation with somebody before you leave today that can clarify some things. Philip was sensitive and available to this divine appointment, and because he was, it changed this Ethiopian's eternal destiny. And that's what's at stake, friends. Whether you identify more with Philip today or the Ethiopian, what's at stake in all of this, in this Coram Deo lifestyle, in this, uh, this, this, this thing that makes you available for divine appointments, somebody's eternal destiny is at stake. And that makes me want to take all of my plans and submit them to the Lord, all my scheduling. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 16 and verse 9, a man plans in his heart, but the Lord directs his steps. And I don't know about you, but I'm one of those planners. I plan my work and I work my plan. And if I'm not careful, sometimes I see a divine appointment as an interruption in my day. No, it's not an interruption. It's an appointment that the Heavenly Father has said is more important than whatever appointment I have on my calendar and my schedule. And the same is true for you and for me. For every divine appointment, there's somebody's eternal destiny that hangs in the balance. Let's be sensitive to the Spirit's leading, even open to the ministry of angels among us, and be available for God to send us anywhere, anytime, at any moment to carry out the Lord's work and embrace that as the adventure that it is. Thanks so much for being here for today's Something Good radio message, Divine Appointments. Ron, I think we should always be on the lookout for the divine appointments you talked about over the past couple of days, but it seems to me in this particular period in our history, with all the uncertainty and the economic hardship that so many are going through, that we may have the opportunity for even more of them. I could not agree more, Brian, and I want to encourage all of our listeners to be particularly sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit during what continues to be a season of uncertainty. Because when times are difficult, there will almost certainly be more chances to share our faith. When you consider that many people have lost loved ones in the past year and a half or so, that millions have lost their jobs, well, people will be looking for answers and looking for hope, and all of us as believers in Christ have a message of hope to share. Jesus is where our true hope lies, where true joy lies, so let me just encourage everyone listening to use this period in history to persevere in the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look for those divine appointments. Maybe you'll bump into your neighbor more often than usual in the coming days and weeks. Take that opportunity to strike up a conversation. Remember, when the Holy Spirit prompts you to talk to someone, he has invariably prepared that person's heart in advance to receive what you're saying. 
And we know that people have always been more open to the gospel in times of uncertainty or crisis. So now could very well be one of the best opportunities we'll have to lead people to faith in Christ. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some final thoughts from his message, Divine Appointments. And Ron, as we wrap up this edition of Something Good Radio, tell us where you're headed tomorrow as you continue your journey through the book of Acts. Brian, I'm really excited about this uh, next message. It's a familiar story, but some of the best stories are the ones worth telling over and over again. In Acts chapter 9, Luke turns his attention to a man named Saul a Pharisee who was murdering Christians in the name of God. He was on the fast track to stardom in Jerusalem's religious community. And then God got a hold of Saul and changed the course of church history. It's a story of a journey from terrorism to transformation. And it starts tomorrow when I continue my teaching series, AD, Acts of the Apostles. Join us then for something good as Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Transforming a Terrorist. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.